Hi, I'm Alex L., and I write books for a living. The Hey Girl podcast was created with sisterhood and storytelling in mind. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. Hey girl. I'll be sitting down with some phenomenal women to discuss love. I believe we grew distant out of love of some type. Like, yeah. I don't want to hurt you. Loss. Really don't know what's going to trigger that feeling of right. grief in any moment. And a topic very important to my work self-care. Freedom is self-care. It's not about pedicures. It's not about clothing. It's not about trips. Join us as we journey through sharing together. Today on the show, I'm sitting down with Lisa Oliveira. She is a therapist, a writer, and an all-around pretty amazing human being. She shares about her journey through life, discovery, and leaning into her self-care practice. This is Lisa's story. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to talk with you. I am very excited to dive into our conversation. Um, But before we do that, please introduce yourself to the Hey Girl listeners. So who are you and what do you do? So my name is Lisa Oliveira, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, Um, but I'm also a writer, a sister, a partner, and just a human trying to figure it out with everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. I love that you said that, a human trying to figure it out, um, just like everyone else, because I kind of feel as though when we have job titles like counselor or coach or therapist that maybe perhaps people hold us on this pedestal of like, that person doesn't have any problems and any issues. And I really love how you are very transparent about being human first and therapist second. Um, I believe I've seen you write that um, on your social media. So um, I want to start with how you got into your work, but also just kind of your story in general. You have a pretty amazing story. Um, So feel free to start wherever you feel um, ready to? I guess my journey as a therapist really started because of my story and because of my experiences and things that I've gone through and, you know, transformations that I've had in my own life. And so much kind of goes back to my childhood and being adopted. Um, I was abandoned. And so I had no idea where I came from or who my biological family were or what the beginning of my story was growing up. And I just remember feeling so alone and confused and just wanting so deeply to understand my own story and to have answers that I didn't think I would ever have. And it was really painful. And I kind of felt like I had to keep a lot of those feelings and experiences to myself because I had this idea that if I was honest about it, that I would hurt my adoptive family or that I would seem ungrateful. Mm -hmm. And I even received messages from various people growing up like, wow, you're a miracle. You should be so grateful. It's, you know, you should be so glad that you have a family at all. And Mm -hmm. it was kind of just invalidating of what truth I held really deeply within myself and not being able to share that truth openly and honestly and in a real way was 
kind of excruciating at times and made me feel just really ashamed of, you know, how I held my experience and how I held that part of my life. Um, and eventually I was around 14 and that's kind of when my depression got really, really hard. Um, I ended up attempting suicide and that kind of led me to a therapist's office. Mm. Um, and that was sort of the first place where I really feel like I took a breath and let out what I had been carrying alone for so long. And it was the first place where I felt like someone was really hearing me and really willing to sit in the discomfort and sit in the pain and sit in the experience with me rather than try and put a silver lining on it or, or tell me why I shouldn't feel that way or, you know, what a lot of people do because they don't know how to sit with someone's discomfort. And so having that experience was really transformative for me and really started my own path towards healing and towards understanding my story and just towards being more kind to myself, which I didn't really know how to do before mm -hmm. then. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so my story and my journey kind of continued and ebbed and flowed. And um, I, of course, wasn't, you know, healed immediately in that moment, but it kind of is where my path started. And eventually I ended up going to school for psychology. Um, and after that, I got a job as a residential counselor at a group home for female foster youth. Um, and I felt so connected to those girls and to the work and to just witnessing their, their own experiences, their own stories, witnessing their own challenges and being someone who they could really talk to and be heard by was such a gift. And that kind of solidified, you know, yes, I do want to do this. I do want to be this person for people. I do want to hold this space for people. Um, and so I ended up going to school to get my master's in counseling psychology. And in that time, I ended up finding my entire biological family on Ancestry.com completely rattled my entire world. Wow. Um, just when I kind of thought that I was coming to terms with my story and, and coming to terms with what had happened and, and finding some peace within not knowing parts of who I was, the whole world kind of opened up. And mm -hmm. I connected with my biological sister and my biological brother um, I ended up connecting with my biological mother and met her a year later and kind of learned all the pieces that I had thought about and imagined throughout my entire life. Um, and I, I'm still connected to them. This was many years ago, but finding that part of myself kind of opened up this whole other space for me. And it was while I was becoming a therapist, while I was stepping into this role. Mm. And so... That, again, was just a huge marker of how important our stories are and how important it is to have space to explore them and to talk about them and to be witnessed in them. And since then, I've done a lot of different work with a lot of different populations, but um, that's kind of the quickest general way to explain <laughs> how, I've got, how I've gotten to be where I am now. 
My morning routine normally consists of trying to get up a little early before the kids, getting my self-care silence in, drinking a cup of coffee or tea, and washing my face and just having a moment. There are a lot of great ways to start your day. Maybe you eat a nice healthy breakfast or meditate. But what about starting with making up your bed? Now, that doesn't really work for me because my husband is not up when I'm up. But when you make your bed in the morning, it starts a chain of daily successes. And I know this because when we are up together and we do make our beds right upon rising, I feel like the day does get off to a fresh start. What I love most about Brooklyn and Sheets is that I am more excited to walk in the room and see a freshly made bed with their beautiful sheets and offerings on them. The high quality sheets are great and at a low price. Their sheets are soft and well made, which you can't beat. And for the price, it is wonderful quality. Brooklyn and was the first direct to consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers. No middlemen, just a great product and service. They offer all luxury products without the luxury markup. Brooklinen also offers a variety of sheets, colors, patterns, and materials for your lounging needs, like their classic, cool, and crisp, timeless with a matte finish, luxe, sateen, buttery, smooth cotton sheets, or my favorite, the linen, which is airy and effortlessly chic, made with the highest quality flax in the world. Needless to say, Brooklinen sheets are the perfect place to start making your mornings great. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their bedding comes with a lifetime warranty. So get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Again, that's promo code HeyGirl only at brooklinen.com for 10% off your first order. So how was that? Let's let's rewind a little bit. How was that for you um, connecting with your biological family while also stepping into this really deep and profound work of helping other people, you know, soothe their suffering and find ways to lean deeper into their truth? How was that for you when you found them and when you connected with your biological mother, I know you you mentioned you were abandoned and I've read your story um, and it just blew me away. And to hear you say, you know, how you're still connected with them and how, you know, that was really a transformative part of your story. How was that in the middle of, you know, doing such deep work for not only yourself, but other people eventually? Mm, it was incredibly humbling and powerful and such a reminder that no matter what we're doing career-wise or professionally that we're always human first and our job will never bypass our experience of being human Mm -hmm. and this experience was kind of a glaring reminder of that you know it brought me right into this space of exploring my identity exploring parts of myself that I had thought were kind of closed, exploring new ways of integrating my story into my life, which is so much of what I help clients do and so much of what I was in the middle of learning about in graduate school. And so I literally got an email from my biological sister during a day-long class 
um, on a Saturday in school saying, my birth mother just confirmed that, that she's your birth mother too. And I read that in the middle of class and I told my professor, like, I think I have to go. Mm. (laughs) I don't think I can be here right now. Um, And so that was kind of like a small window into really learning to hold space for not only the stories and experiences of my clients, but to figure out how to find a balance between holding that space for myself too and knowing that that is an ongoing process that therapists have to do and having that experience while while learning to work with people and starting the process of working with people was just really eye-opening in in understanding that I will never be able to put my story on hold I will never Mm -hmm. be able to put my own life on hold as I'm working with people and so it was kind of a great path towards finding boundaries and finding outlets for myself and practicing real self-care and learning how to balance my own life and my own experiences with the work that I do, which I think is really integrated, actually. And I think it really kind of plays off of one another. And I think bringing my whole self and bringing my story into my work has really opened my ability to sit with other people in in a really deep way. So you have um you have a presence on social media which is just extremely beautiful the community that you're cultivating. And I wanted to ask how that has been for you as a licensed professional therapist and as a human being on, mm-hmm. you know, social media and try and finding that balance and having those boundaries um, when navigating, you know, the Internet in both a professional setting and also in your personal life. How has that been for you with, you know, your following growing and I'm sure people reaching out for different types of advice and things like that? How, how do you balance or harmonize the two Um, while navigating the Instagram spaces and things like that? It's definitely been a learning process, and it ebbs and flows, and some days it feels really wonderful, and some days I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Um, So it's, it's a process for sure, and I think what it has taught me is that people really connect with other humans a lot more than they connect with a professional identity. Mm. People really feel heard and seen by a human relationship more than they feel seen by a hierarchical relationship, which I think is so much of what we're taught as we learn to become a therapist is we're kind of taught in this patriarchal way of how therapy has been taught for so long. And I think that paradigm is shifting. And so by bringing this work onto social media, by bringing parts of myself onto social media, by blending my role as a therapist with my identity as just a normal human being, I think it's been powerful to see that people actually really connect with the fact that I let myself be human and not just hold this kind of rigid role as a therapist and that I remind people that we're all figuring this out as we go, all of us. None of us are experts on one another. None of us know what's best for each other. We're all kind of navigating this whole being human thing on our own in our own unique ways and that includes therapists Mm -hmm. and 
I find it really important to kind of humanize healing and to humanize therapy and to normalize the fact that none of us are immune to everything that comes with being alive, including therapists. And I've gotten a lot of feedback around how helpful it is to see that therapists are also figuring things out. They also have their own story. They're also sometimes seeing their own therapist. They're also doing their own work ongoing. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of my mission or part of my mission in sharing so much on social media is to kind of break down the barriers of therapy and to make it more accessible, more relatable, more human and less intimidating and less kind of behind the office doors. Mm. Um, And it's been really beautiful just connecting with people and hearing their stories and seeing how things that I share resonate with people and, and also just how it's given me permission to show up more as myself as a therapist too, mm-hmm. to to let myself really be in the room and not feel like I have to be this kind of pseudo-professional person, but to show up really fully, which has really enhanced my connection with my clients, I think. Mm-hmm. I like that you're able to connect and show up as your full self, especially in a professional setting that is just absolutely beautiful and also Um, I think you might have used this word relatable, right? Because people really do want to lean in and build that community and share these stories, their stories with someone who, yes, can help them and give them tools. Because I feel like that's what therapists do. They help, they give tools. And hopefully we're able to take those tools into um, the real world and implement them into our lives. Are you a social drinker? Do you enjoy wine down Wednesdays with your girlfriends on Zoom after work? Did you have a little bit too much to drink once and woke up with a hangover? Well, Goody's Hangover is more than the natural supplements you've seen before for treating hangovers. With a history rooted in analgesics and putting an end to tough pain, Goody's Hangover has the right formula to stop pain fast and provide a boost of alertness. Goody's Hangover Powder temporarily relieves minor aches and pains due to hangover, headaches, or muscle aches. It also helps restore mental alertness when experiencing fatigue or drowsiness associated with a hangover. It's also easy to use. You can toss it back or mix it with water or any other non-alcoholic beverage of your choice. Goodies understands that you can't afford to let a hangover slow you down. And for a hangover that is real tough, you need real medicine. Now you can have a fun night on Zoom with your girls without worrying about the next morning. Goodies hangovers. Real medicine for real hangovers. Fast relief with a boost of alertness. I think I I'm, I, I saw on your social that you were um, considering taking away the therapy part of your social media name or something like that. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit because Mm. identity is so, especially when we're navigating these online spaces, our identity can be so strange. Um, I don't know if that's the, the right word, but it can just feel kind of ambiguous. And I wanted to know from your point of view as a professional using, um, this tool to, 
connect with your community, your clients, people near and far, strangers and, you know, folks who are familiar, how how are you shifting in different ways that you, that maybe you didn't think that you would? And why are things like, you know, removing therapy important to you? And what role is it going to play in just how you're moving through the world as a professional, but also as an individual? I know you're writing a book. There's so many big things coming. So what mm-hmm. shifts do you feel um, are happening right now for you professionally and personally? Yeah, I've been thinking so much about that and about how social media can really solidify our identity, which can be beautiful and powerful and amazing. And I think it can also be kind of challenging as our identity shifts and as our ideas shift Mm -hmm. and as we change and grow and develop new perspectives and, and have new visions, which I think is kind of an ongoing process in our lives. And I think allowing that is so important. And so I think that's kind of what I'm right in the middle of right now is figuring out, like, what do I want to allow more space for? What do I want to allow more room for? How do I want to let myself grow outside of this one identity and maybe outside of this one way of working Mm -hmm. and find different ways of connecting, find different ways of integrating other parts of who I am that I feel are coming forward more and more as I kind of move through this space. And so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of thinking about removing the word therapy, which I'm still mulling over. And it's still so hard (laughs) to even think about, like, what would that mean? How would people respond? What would that mean for my, like, all those things Mm, that can come up mm, so mm -hmm. easily based on something as simple as, an Instagram name right um but it is it is so deeply tied to my identity and to what I share um and I guess I'm just realizing that there are also other things that I want to do there are other Mm -hmm. hats that I want to be able to wear and I don't I don't necessarily want my work and what I share and what I put out into the world to be limited by my role as a therapist and I'm working on finding ways to integrate that with other parts of myself, you know, with my role as a partner, with my identity as developing more of a writer, which I still struggle even calling myself. Mm. Um, But yeah, I'm really kind of grappling with how do I want to hold space for all these other parts of me as I'm connecting with more people, as I'm sharing more of my work and more of my writing and and more of my tools. How do I want to open myself up to embracing other parts too, and maybe letting other parts step forward? Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit and talk about writer, because you are a writer and you are writing a book, and that is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that been for you? I know you said it's kind of hard to identify as writer, but if we look at the truth of it, you are a writer and you write beautifully. (laughs) And you you are just magical in so many different ways. And what is this book going to do for your soul, do you think? I mean, I think it's already just creating a space within myself to lean into the truth of who I am, Mm. which has always been a struggle for me, if I'm being honest. It's always been 
hard to let myself acknowledge my gifts, to let myself say, you know, this is who I am, to really lean into these different parts of my identity. Um, it hasn't been an easy process for me. And to say that it's, you know, just beautiful and exciting would be to deny the whole truth of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for me to acknowledge that, yes, it is. It's a growing edge for me to to let myself declare that I'm a writer, and which is interesting because I've been writing for as long as I can remember. It's been a healing balm through pain. It's been a way for me to reflect myself back at who at who I am. It's been a way for me to to echo my own truth when I couldn't say it to someone else. Mm. And so to think about being able to put something together that someone else might hold that that not only echoes my own truth but holds space for other people to explore theirs is so powerful and really humbling and I just feel really grateful to be in this process and to be opening myself up to letting this in, which again, it hasn't always been easy right. for me. And and it's definitely a process that I'm still working on allowing, I think. How are you leaning into self care as you are going through all your different processes of becoming, it sounds like, um, becoming, unfolding, blooming, and, you know, just starting over in a sense, like just finding these new ways to begin. What does self-care look like for you? Mm. I think I've been just thinking a lot about how self-care doesn't always equal comfort. Mm. and how self-care isn't always doing the thing that you want to do. It's doing the thing that's good for you, even if it's not the easy thing. And it's learning to listen to and honor your own truth and your own needs, which I think I'm really doing by writing this book. I'm Mm -hmm. honoring that this is something that I need to do, that this is something that I I'm yearning to do and it's something that I am filled by and so for me self-care is letting myself tune into my own needs and my own experiences and acting on those things even if it's not comfortable even if it's not easy even if it means writing a new narrative for who I am and for how I think about myself and for how I hold my different identities. Mm. Um, and I think self-care is, it's a testimony to valuing your own worthiness. And that can unfold in so many different ways. And for me right now, I think it's doing the work that I need to do for my soul, for myself, even if it's not comfortable. What would you tell your younger self, your 14-year-old self, now that you have this life experience and new knowledge, you know, I guess under your belt. And and we're going to continue to learn hopefully until, you know, we transition on. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So what what would you tell her with all that you know now? How would you comfort her? I think about that all the time. And I, 
send that version of myself love pretty often, actually. And I think about how if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have gone through the things that I went through. And therefore, I wouldn't be who I am now. And so I think I would tell her to trust the way that life is showing up and to trust that she can grow and become the person that she wants to be, not not in spite of her pain, not in spite of her story, but because of it. Mm. And not not without her struggle and not without her questioning and her uncertainty, but through it. And yeah, I would just tell her to lean into herself and to wait and see what unfolds, even if she doesn't know then what that unfolding will look like. And I think I tell myself the same thing now. The Hey Girl Podcast is a member of The District Productive, produced by Paul, Woody Woodhall, and me, Alex L. Music by DC's own Kokai. Kokai.